We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Winning a press conference correlate to winning on the football field. If that's the case, Matt Rule is about to win a Super Bowl in the next couple of years with Carolina Panthers. We'll hear from him and Mike McCarthy introduced in Dallas. The love affair between he and Jerry Jones was very evident. You could feel the love in the room, even though McCarthy admitted he lied in part to get that job. Would you do that to get a job? Have you ever lied to get a job? Home and home radio.com sports original. We're brought to you by zip recruiter. Smartest way to hire speaking head coaching hires. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. Check them out in 2020. But we start with the fascinating story on the fringes of sports. It's the wife of Dwayne Wade, the legendary NBA player, Gabrielle Union, actress, activist, author. She tweeted over the weekend, Ross Tucker, that an Uber driver asked to use her bathroom. And she let that Uber driver use the bathroom. Ended up the dude took a deuce in the home of Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union. I cannot imagine anything more offensive than that, Ross Tucker, on a Thursday. Would you ever let an Uber driver come in your home and use the bathroom? That's a tough one. For me, Dave, I got to tell you, uh, because personally, I have a very active um, GI track. And so tell me. (laughs) (laughs) No, but like, dude, so, so, okay. On the one hand, if you're an Uber driver, you're literally in your car, dude, before you accept the next order go poop somewhere you know what i mean like go poop or pee somewhere it's not like you're like stranded on an island you're in your car before you go to the next person's house don't say yes i accept on the uber app for that ride go take care of your business and then start accepting more uber drive rides right like so on the one hand i put all the blame on the uber driver on the other hand, though, Dave, if an Uber driver came to my house, it's home and home. We do this show from our homes. If an Uber driver came here and was like, can I use your bathroom? That's kind of a hard thing to say no to, especially for me. So first of all, the person's going to give you a ride. Second of all, I am a person that has had situations in life where I got to go to the bathroom right then. I, I got to go right mm. now. I got to go. Like, one way or the other, I got to go now. Uh, also, she didn't know that he was going to poop, I don't think. You know, I don't no. think he said that. So maybe you got to kind of get a feel for that part of it. Maybe you ask him, are you going number one or number two? Um, but so, uh, so number one, I blame the Uber driver, Dave. But I think I would probably say yes. And my wife would probably be like, oh, hell no. Although, you know what? When you're in that situation and the person looks you in the eyes and you can tell they really got to go, I think as a human being, like, you you, you let them go. Are you saying you would say no? Hold on. What would you rate that driver once they came in your home and took a shit? How many stars and what, and are you tipping them? You don't tip anyway. So what are you rating that driver? Well, zero. I'm giving them a zero and I'm not tipping. Sometimes I tip now if they do a really good job now that, especially now that I talk to you about it, but zero would be the rating for sure. You don't, you don't get the benefit of the doubt. if You're dropping a deuce in my house. And by the way, like Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle union's house. Can you imagine what that would be like? I mean, that that's a bold move by that guy. Really bold. And by the way, here's my other question. 
for like for Gabrielle Union and Dwayne Wade, is their Uber? Is it like Gabrielle and Dwayne? Like, do super famous people use their real names and a real picture? That's a fair question, but I would think if you are in that area, you probably know who Gab- Gabrielle Union is. Although I guess in this world in 2019, 20 as it were, when she took that, I, maybe you didn't know. Maybe that Uber driver didn't know who she was. Maybe didn't know who her husband was. She's not an actress the way she was 10 years ago. So it's arguable that that driver did not know. And my instant reaction was no way, no how, no how, no. I'm letting an Uber driver come in my home, and that's just. That's that's nothing snobby. I just I have children at home and it's more of a safety issue with me. Like, I don't know anything about this Uber driver. If my children are in the home and like I would never let my wife do that because who knows if that Uber driver could easily overpower her, do something for our children. So so to me as a safety issue, no way, okay, no okay, how okay, I would but, want my wife okay, to say okay, yes. Okay, but you're okay, but you're willing to get in their car? Yeah, like everything like you, Chief hey, Red, everything man. you just said, everything you just said about a safety standpoint, weird, strange in the house, everything you just yeah. said, I agree with you. But now you're saying that you just get you just get right in the car with that person, or you just let your wife get right in the car with that person. I mean, that person could then drive them anywhere. And in terms of safety, maybe they're a terrible driver, right? I mean, on some level. We're trusting strangers here. It is funny. I saw a meme one time that said something like, you know, um, we used to say don't talk to strangers, right? And now we literally call strangers to give us rides. It it was better than that. I just butchered it. Let's move on. (laughs) You did not stick the landing on that. I'd love to hear from people. Would they allow an Uber driver in their home to use the bathroom? And I'm guessing at least three quarters of people would say no to that. Just, yes, some you are putting your life in the hands, hands of an Uber, but coming in my home where my children are there, no, just not comfortable with that. But you're right, maybe in that moment, maybe once I read the defense and got a look at the zone, maybe I would say, all right, this seems like a decent human being. I would probably feel the car out because it was at the end of an Uber uh, ride. It wasn't, it wasn't a thing. So at that point, you have a pretty decent feeling. All right, this is what? at least an up. It was at the end of the Uber ride. Not I the beginning. didn't know that. I'd be like, yeah. no, go drive yourself to go somewhere. I mean, he must have really had to go. Or maybe they had a long Uber drive and maybe they talked a lot and maybe he felt like they really connected. God, I just that that's a lot of nerve to ask to use someone's home as well. Uh, certainly an interesting subject. All right. But another interesting subject we uh, are talking about here on Home and Home this morning is can winning on the football field be determined by how you win in a press conference? And I do believe the answer to that question is yes. I believe, one, you get a strong indication of how a head coach in this case would inspire a group of men of all different ages, sizes, races. You get a good feeling for how they could inspire, but also you're finding out how much rope can this head coach buy with the media and the fans because they're going to need that when times are tough. And if I am right, then Matt Rule is going to be an outstanding hire for the Carolina Panthers. He didn't just turn around the program at Temple. He turned it around in Baylor in in a minute from 1-11 under Art Bryles to a contender nationally. And then he's introduced with the Carolina Panthers yesterday. David Tepper gives him seven years. 60 million bucks could be worth up to 70 million dollars. And this speech about why Matt Rule loves football and why this opportunity will inspire you. Listen. People have asked me, you know, why the call, why the draw, why why do you want to take on this next chapter of your life? Coach, you had a great thing at Baylor. Why did you want to go to the NFL? And it's, it's really simple to me. I start, every, I start every decision in my life with why. And I'll tell you this. And I love the game of football. I was a kid that grew up in, in New York City and, 
and, uh, you know, basketball all around me. And, and since some, from an early age, I loved the game of football. My mom would, when my dad was working, my mom would take me out. And I would say now as I ran a flyer out, she'd throw the ball as far as she could. And I'd w- go over and try to catch it. And my dad, once a year, twice a year, would drive me to Pennsylvania to Penn State and watch games. I love the game of football. And football's done so much for me in my life. I was able to go to Penn State and was not a great player, but I was able to, 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 to in some small part, contribute to that team. I was able then to go on and get my master's degree because of football. I was able to get into coaching, and football's brought me in all these places and to meet all these people, and it's brought me here today. It's a special game. It's the greatest game that there is. You walk into a locker room, there's guys of all ages. There's guys from all different parts of the country. There's guys of all shapes and sizes. Yet they come together to form a team and play the hardest game that there is to play. They play in bad weather. They play when they're injured. They play when they don't feel great. They find a way to get it done as a team. It's the greatest game that there is. And as I sat here and was trying to make a decision about my life, I said to myself, Matt, what do you want? And I want to go and be a part of the greatest game at the highest stage. And I just had to figure out where. Matt Rule, Carolina Panthers head coach, just gave me a football boner. That was outstanding. That's a man who can inspire a group of men in the locker room. That's a guy that can buy confidence in the fans and in the media. Only one speech can I think of that came close was James Earl Jones 30 years ago in Field of Dreams talking about baseball. That's a winner right there. That's an inspiring speech, but that's a man I want to play for. And I do think how you command a microphone does correlate to how you lead a football team. I know what you're thinking. Bill Belichick is the worst press conference in sports today. There's no rules that apply with Bill Belichick. He is an outlier. He is a freaking genius. Whatever Bill does, does not correlate to anyone else. Your thoughts? So, and let me, yeah, a couple of things here. First of all, I think we need to be clear. We're talking about introductory press conferences because Belichick doesn't act like an asshole at his introductory press conference when he got the Browns job and when he got the Patriots job. Once he has success and is winning and can basically say bleep you to the media, Now he acts like an asshole, but that's not how he was at his introductory press conference, number one. Number two, Matt rules. That was awesome. That's how I feel about it. I mean, if I gave a speech, Dave, it would be very similar to that. And every once in a while, some Twitter troll will say, you sucked as a player. You know what I mean? Like, you know, they, they won't like a take I have. They'll be like, you were, you, were, you were a sucky player. And I literally sit there and I think, I thank God every day for how good of a player I was. Like, my whole life is because of football and the kind of player I was. Yes, I was a seven-year journeyman player in the NFL. I wasn't a great NFL player. Guess what? Football got me into Princeton And I'm pretty sure it got me my wife because I know she wouldn't have liked me if I didn't go to Princeton. And then football got me in the NFL for seven years and a good chunk of change of money to start my life. And then football helped me get the media stuff, which I'm still doing. So, like, I love football. And I played for a bunch of teams. And I do love all the relationships I built and all the people you're alongside. I mean, I can remember, Dave... Jonas Jennings, okay? He's a, a, a country kid from Georgia. He was the left tackle for the Buffalo Bills in 04. I was the left guard. And Jonas was in a contract year. And Jonas was trying to get a nice contract. And I was playing left guard. And anytime a D end would come inside on him, Dave, I would blast that mother sucker as hard as I could, especially early in the game. A, because I liked it, it's how I played, and B, I would say to them, don't come inside on my boy Jonas. You don't do that. And I'm telling you, Dave, when they had a choice the rest of the game, 
they didn't come inside that often because they knew A, I was psycho, and B, I would be there, and C, I was going to hit him in the ribs as hard as I could if they did. And Jonas ended up getting a contract with a $12.5 million signing bonus, $19 million guaranteed, and he called me right afterwards and said he wouldn't have been able to do it if it wasn't for me because he played really well during the stretch, down the stretch, because people weren't coming inside because I was master blasting him. It was awesome. I love football. I love Matt Rule's speech. And here's the better way to do it. Because earlier in the show, and we encourage people, if you're listening or watching live, listen to the debate we had with Nick Costos, who thinks it's meaningless, the opening press conference. This will be a good question, by the way, for Rod Woodson coming up in about 10 minutes. I said that I think people that think it means a, a lot are as wrong as people that think it means nothing. But I would say, Dave, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 means it means nothing. 10 means it means everything. I'm like a 6 or a 7. I, I definitely lean more towards you than I do Casas. I don't know if you're a 10. It sounds like you're a 10. I'm not yeah. a 10. I'm not a 10, but I'm a six solid seven there. I definitely lean more towards you. It is interesting because we have a bunch of people chiming in on Twitter. You're at Dave Briggs TV. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. And the channel, the show is at RDC Home and Home. You can follow all of our shows at RDC Sports. So right now, the poll, we have almost 1,400 votes. Yep. Two hours in, and 45% say it doesn't matter at all. 41% say, eh, it matter, eh, matters a decent amount. 15% say a lot, it matters. And then I tweeted something about it, and the responses, when I say, I think it's somewhere in the middle, but I lean more towards it matters, people are responding with, Jim Tom Sula and San Francisco disagree because he had a good speech <laughs> and then had a bad yeah. year. Yeah. Uh, Matt LaFleur last year looked like the shy kid in awe of the moment. One of the worst intros I can remember. They went 13 and three. In retrospect, Hugh Jackson had one of the best press conferences I've ever seen. So I'm a little suspect now. Then again, somebody says I was underwhelmed by Freddie Kitchens. Adam Gase, somebody said Doug Peterson had quite an underwhelming introductory press conference. So it's interesting. People, and I would say this to the listeners, anybody uh -huh. just citing one example, you're totally missing the point too. If you just give yeah, me I, one name one way or the other. Yeah, and those were all actually really good points. I think quite often you would find that, look on the opposite end, right? Look on... I'm not saying Matt Rule is going to necessarily win a Super Bowl next year. I'm saying the man that delivered that speech yesterday will not have a problem inspiring that locker room. And I think quite often when you look at the worst guys at commanding a room at the introductory press conference, at owning that microphone, they tend to be bad head coaches. When I look at the worst head coaches in the NFL, I also think those are uninspiring people at the microphone. And again, don't say Bill Belichick because the guy's a freaking genius. Has nothing to do with it. Case in point, uh, with the Dallas Cowboys hire of Mike McCarthy, Ross, there was a, a poll from 105.3 The, uh, 105.3 the Fan in Dallas. When they hired him, what did you think of it? And Almost all of Cowboys Nation used the one word, meh. They were not inspired. And then they did another one last night after the introductory press conference of Mike McCarthy. And like three quarters of Cowboys Nation on a 105.3, the fans said they're inspired. They feel like this is a team about to win a Super Bowl. So it changed the minds of the fans. It often changes the minds of the media. And that speech can tell you a lot about how they can inspire a group of men. One thing was clear yesterday from the introduction of Mike McCarthy down in Dallas as the new Cowboys head coach is that there is a love affair between Jerry Jones and their new head coach. Listen to Jerry hearing bells. I did hear bells. My sister explained to my dad one time when she was explaining why she wanted to divorce. 
and dad loved her husband and he said, what's gotten into you? And she said, I don't hear bells. He said, bells, bells, I hadn't heard bells for the last 30 years. What's that got to do with it? <laughs> well, the bottom line is that's a dad trying to advise his daughter <laughs> on the right move. <laughs> the bottom line is I heard bells. <laughs> 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 that is Jerry Jones' introductory remarks yesterday of Mike McCarthy. What do you make of the love fest and hearing bells? How important is that in a marriage or in a relationship between an owner and a head coach? Well, so this is an interesting one, Dave, because a lot of that has to do with personalities, right? And personalities clicking. And the question is, is that really what matters the most when it comes to a head coach, right? Like if McCarthy and Jerry Jones were both having Johnny Walker blue and they were bullshitting and, you know, it's almost like Seinfeld, you cocksucker, you son of a bitch, you bastard, you son of like, I can just picture them, right? Like, I think that's great, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's the right guy for the job. Now in life, I do think those connections are important. I talk to a lot of high school kids when they're looking at colleges. And I say, I hope you, when you get to a place, you just think, this is where I want to be. Because for me, I was really lucky, Dave. Like, I went, I had a bunch of visits, a bunch of opportunities. But when I went to Princeton, I knew that's where I wanted to be. I just knew it in my gut. I just knew it. And so mm. I came back, and my dad and I made up pros and cons or whatever. And I thought, oh, William and Mary, a scholarship. But I knew that's what I wanted. And I think in life, whether it's a spouse or someone you're hiring, I do think that that's, you should go with your gut. You should, if you hear bells, so to speak, that you should go with that person. That's who should, you should hire because I think that that instinct is usually a good one. Not always, but usually a good one. I, I think it's very difficult, let's put it this way, Dave, to go against that, to go against like what your gut is telling you. And that tells you something about this argument about blackhead coach coaches. It may not be a racist element, but owners are hiring guys they're familiar with, they're comfortable with, and some of that has to do with people you've surrounded yourself throughout your entire life. Another question emerged, and we're going to get to Rod Woodson here in just a quick sec. Would you lie to get a job? Would you ever admit it if you did lie to get a job? Mike McCarthy didn't just lie. He admitted it yesterday in Dallas. Listen to this. And you said you analyzed every play or watched every play of the entire 2019 season. What is it that you learned from that experience that you think will benefit you most here? Well, I mean, I, I need to confess. I mean, I told Jerry I watched every play of the 2019 season, but I wanted the job. Uh. So uh, uh, I, 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 have, I, I haven't watched every play of the season, but it, it was just, uh, I mean, you do what you got to do, right? Uh, oh, was that honest or was that? I, I would not admit if I lied there. Real quickly, your reaction to that. I want to hear him lie and double down on watching every snap. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I would admit it publicly. I don't see how that helps no. you. I mean, I guess it's funny and you get some chuckles. But if I'm Jerry Jones sitting there, I'm thinking, what the hell, man? Like, what else yeah. did you lie about? You know what I mean? That, that's like, my trust, question. Trust, uh, trust is a very big thing with me. Very big. And I say it with my wife, with my daughters, like, cause once you, once like my daughter lies to me to my face, like that's a problem. You know what I mean? Like that's a major, major problem. And I can't trust you. I don't care what it is. Just be honest. Just, just tell me the truth. Wholeheartedly agree with you there. What else did you lie about would be my first question. If I'm Jerry Jones right there, I'm doing the Adam Gay size around the room, wondering what else you lied about. We'll ask the hall of famer. Rod Woodson, Pittsburgh Steelers, Baltimore Ravens won a Super Bowl with them. What did he make of these introductory press conferences yesterday? Does that determine a winner 
as a head coach. We'll also ask him about, ask him about the fame class and who wins the Super Bowl this season. Is it the Ravens again after a quick break here, Ross? But first, ZipRecruiter. They send your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. They do not stop there with their powerful matching technology. ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As the applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ziprecruiter.com enter. That's ziprecruiter.com E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Bill Belichick said recently there are three people in his coaching career he told his offensive coordinators never throw the ball near. One of those three joins us in just moments. Rod Woodson, the great Hall of Famer, Steelers Super Bowl champion with the Baltimore Ravens. Home and home radio.com sports original. We're brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Check them out. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. A lot to get to in the next 30 minutes. Coaching has been the hot topic of the week. Four of the five coaching spots have been filled. Cleveland still remains. Let's talk about that. The Hall of Fame class, the divisional round of the NFL playoffs this weekend with the legend NFL 100 all-time team, a Hall of Famer, a Super Bowl champ with the Baltimore Ravens, Rod Woodson joining us on Home and Home. Great to have you, sir. It's Dave Briggs and it's Ross Tucker. Uh, We've talked a lot about all these coaching hires in the game the last week. Of course, Rod, none of them our minorities, and and now we have black coaches, the same number we had when the Rooney Rule was instituted in 2003. Why is the league not hiring black head coaches? Well, I mean, I, I, you know, I think there, there's not a – if you look at the vast pool of candidates, uh, the majority would not be of minority um, – would not be minorities. So I, I think the first thing you have to do, you have to go out and create an environment where more minorities are getting the opportunities to become coordinators, uh, position coaches like Judge, uh, guys who have given um, quality time uh, to themselves in the National Football League to be leaders of men. I, I think what the Giants saw um, in Joe Judge is that He's going to be a leader of men, very similar to what, you know, I think the hire of Mike Tomlin was when the Pittsburgh Steelers took him in. Uh, and I think he had one year or two years under his belt as a coordinator, but at least he had that experience. So I just think the quality of candidates, are, I think, is there because I think Eric Abinami, um has done a wonderful job since he's been offensive coordinator in, in Kansas City. I think Leslie Frazier is a great candidate. Um, you know, I, I think there's some out there that, you know, you know, you can't tell 32 billionaires uh, who to hire. Um, you, you would hope that they will look at the vast pool. And it's not always that immediate choice that people always talk about being an offensive guru. Um, you know, that's what everybody's looking for nowadays. I would think they're going to try to find the best leader of men and who resonates the best in that room with them, and that would be their hire. Yeah, so, Rod, you're a great guy to talk to about this because of how many teams you played for and because you've been on the coaching side of it. Do you think it would benefit, Rod, if they had the Rooney rule for coordinator positions and for position coaches so that you had to interview at least one minority for the quarterback position, quarterback coaching position? and for the coordinator jobs that more guys had potential chances to get those jobs? Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a great idea, Ross. Um, you know, that will probably be a little bit harder because you, you listen at the end of the day, we know this, what this is, um, uh, you know, football, first of all, is a tremendous sport. Um, but when guys get hired, 
they're going to bring on to who they're comfortable with, um, be it right, wrong, or indifferent. It doesn't have to be a great coach. Uh, he might have been coaching for a while, but he might not be great at what he does in his room. But if it's his a guy that he's comfortable with, a guy that he trusts, that's the guy they're going to hire. It's not going to be a hire out of the out of the blue. Somebody they don't they don't know. They've never been in the room with because they don't know how they're going to coach and they don't know how they're going to sync together. Being in a in the room in a building for the next you know gosh. And then next, you know, 10 months together from six in the morning till 10 at night every day, um, you know, but, you know, you, you try to figure out how can you open up. And I think the league is trying to do a, a, a good job of mandating things. I know, you know, Mr. Rooney uh, wants to put this rule into effect. They have minority internships uh, during training camp and OTAs throughout the league. So they're trying to do things, but at the end of the day, you got to talk to each individual coach who gets hired and then make him aware of all the candidates that are, that are available, not just his buddy group. Um, and I think once you can start doing that, which, you know, I don't really, I don't know how you get across to all of them, Ross. Um, once you start doing that, hopefully you start getting better, more opportunities for minorities and not just, uh, position coaches, but also coordinator spots. Talking to Rod Woodson, the Hall of Famer, the NFL 100 all-time team, 71 career interceptions. One of the thing owners, GMs are looking for, of course, Rod, is a guy who can come in, he can win that introductory press conference, he can get the media and the fans behind him, and perhaps that translates to inspiring a locker room. Want to play a quick clip of Matt Rule being introduced yesterday as Carolina Panthers' new head coach and talking about football and why he loves this game. Listen. I love the game of football. It's a special game. It's the greatest game that there is. As I sat here and was trying to make a decision about my life, I said to myself, Matt, what do you want? And I want to go and be a part of the greatest game at the highest stage. And I just had to figure out where. This guy inspired that room. Uh, it reminded me of the James Earl Jones baseball speech, of course, in Field of Dreams. Does an, winning the room in that introductory press conference translate to a successful head coach to you? Uh, no. No players are in that room. Um, you know, and, and listen, I don't know who Matt Rule is. I just know some of the people that knew him and been around him before who said he's a great human being, a great person to be around. Uh, maybe he is the Chuck Knoll for the Carolina Panthers. I don't know. Only time a tell. Um, but, you know, I, I think when you're starting to talk, when you go from college kids who are 18 to 21, 22, who recycle every year to grown men who are, you know, in their late 20s, early 30s, who more than you, as a head coach, and they're going to give you more pushback than they do in college. So the first time a player says, you say you're going to do something, the player goes, ah, I don't know why. Why are we doing that? And he starts questioning your authority in the sense of you putting stuff on the board. What is your answer? How do you go back to him? So that, to me, is going to win over the room uh, over the long haul. If he can't allow his players to be themselves, and to allow some of the players are going to critique what the coaches are doing, um, then it's going to be a struggle for him. But I think if he's open to hearing sometimes veteran players in their perspective, uh, then maybe he will run, win over the room. Uh, but the room has to be the locker room. And the room has to be on game day management when he's out there. How is he going to perform? And if he shows that on game day, and if he shows that during the week leading up to those games, then he's going, to re he's going to get the respect of his players. And, that, and that's what you want at the end of the day. He doesn't have to be a great speaker, but he does have to be a great leader of men in a room when he try to galvanize 53 men to do uncommon deeds on a daily basis, which is hard to do at times. Rod, a couple questions that I've always wanted to ask you that I don't know that I ever have. Your rookie year was 1987. I was eight years old. Your last year... <laughs> was 2003 that was my third year in the nfl and when you watch tape of 1987 
and you watch tape of 2003, it looks a lot different. Like the guys look different body type wise. The shoulder pads are different and stuff. Did you notice that when you were playing? Like, did you did you notice it? Or since you were in it the whole time, did you not notice that it was a big difference over those 17 years? No, I mean, you've definitely seen the transition, you know, Ross. Uh, you know, I had a, I had big shoulder pads. Listen, I had, but I, I played with big shoulder. I, I played with big shoulder pads because I was going to hit somebody, and I wanted protection. Um, and then over the years, you've seen the dwelling of the shoulder pads and the sizes. But then, you know, when I first came in the league, you have to have thigh pads in. You had to have uh, knee pads in. And, but it was those big, thick thigh pads, those big, thick knee pads. And then over the course of time, and even for myself, you know, my thigh pad would be, you know, like these skinny little uh, pads that are, you know, were just, you know, probably a quarter of inch thick. So, you know, you've seen that over the time frame, but at the end result, you know, my thing was, you know, which I told guys all the time, listen, the game might change and technology might change, but the fundamentals never change. This is always going to be a contact courage sport. Uh, the really good players in this league always are going to have the courage to make contact, be it a receiver, be it a running back, be it a quarterback. Those guys always step up to the forefront. And those are the guys you, you're looking for. You're trying to find the guys who have that courage on a daily basis to get out there and fight through the little nicks and aches and pains that you're going to have because even though the game is different, even though they only go to training camp for 17 days instead of five weeks, they're still going to get banged up and beat up. And it's those guys who can do it mentally over physically. When they guys can overcome that, that's when you start finding great players and that's when you can start developing great teams. Also wanted to ask you, Rod, they're doing this centennial class of the Hall of Fame, of which you are already a member. And I'm not sure how I feel about it, Rod. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm not nearly that caliber of player. Um, I understand the argument that there are a bunch of guys that are deserving that didn't get in, and this is a chance to kind of get a bunch of those guys in. But on the flip side, you know, I like that it's really exclusive. I like that it's really hard. I like that you have 15 years to be one of the five best guys like you were. Just curious about your thoughts on this special centennial class and an extra 15 guys getting into your club this year. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan of it. Um, I, I think, you know, if that was going to be the case, then they should have probably did it not all in one year. Um, because, you know, the question is still the same. Um, is, is, it, is it the hall of longevity? Is it the hall of being one of the best players to ever play at your position throughout your time frame? And then when they speak about your position throughout the history of the game, throughout the time that you played, they have to mention your name first or second consistently. Those players change the development of the game. Those players played at a higher level than everybody else. Uh, you know, I'm just not a fan. And, and on top of that, I think they've made some mistakes. You know, I think Art Modell, he should be on that list. I think Art Modell belongs in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he's the only one, he's the only owner who was a part of the merger back in 65, even though the merger didn't happen until another year or so later. But he was a part of that merger. He's the only owner that's not in the Hall of Fame, and it's only because he moved his team. So in spite of him doing the voters don't want to vote him in. So I think if you're going to do the right thing, then do the right thing. Make the hard decisions. But don't say you're going to do the centennial thing and then not put one of the most prominent owners in the history of the sport who helped develop this sport into what it is today and not put him in where he belongs. So, you know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a real fan of it. Uh, and I'm not a fan of the class that they picked. This was a fact. I don't think it's, it's justice for the Modell family who, who did a lot for this, who did a lot for the NFL back in the early 60s, mid 60s and the early 70s and 80s. And when they moved to the Baltimore Ravens, getting their first Super Bowl in 2000 when I was there. Talking to Rod Woodson, the Hall of Famer, the Super Bowl champion with the Ravens. Rod, you mentioned being the best player at your position, so no one better to ask about this group. 
if there's one Hall of Famer among these four safeties, Polamalu, Lynch, Atwater, and Butler, who is it and why? Well, I think it's, you know, I, I believe Troy's going to get in on the first ballot. Um, you know, he doesn't have outstanding numbers, I don't think, in the sense of, like, you know, I don't think he has 50-something, 60-something interceptions. Uh, I don't believe. Um, but what he did, he had a canny knack of making these big plays in these big moments for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So you remember the time he was on the goal line and he dove over the pile, over the offensive and defensive line, and hit the quarterback as soon as the ball was snapped. Well, he wasn't supposed to do that. But he did it because he had a knack to get and have a feel for the game. You know, there's so multiple times, I think, throughout his career that he just impacted his team. And when you talk about the history of the safety position in this time frame of him playing, you're always going to mention Troy's name. You're going to mention him for twofolds. He was a great, outstanding player. He knew the game, mental to physical, two to one. I mean, he talks like a coach. I mean, you know, unfortunately, he's not a he's a soft-spoken person, so he'll never be a coach. But he could have been a coach. And, you know, and then outside of that, he is a great human being on top of that. So how a guy who is so soft-spoken carried a big stick on the football field is amazing. So I think he's going to be that guy out of the four. Um, that's a great argument, but I think – you know, because I'm a John Lynch fan, I'm a Butler fan, I'm a fan, I'm an At fan, At Water. You know, At and I was at the Pro Bowl multiple times, and That would always hit me in my thighs, give me a thigh bruise during the Pro Bowl. But you know, I think Troy's going to be that guy who get in his first ballot just for the fact that he did those splash play for the Pittsburgh Steelers um, throughout their time frame of getting back into dominance. Uh, Rod, I'm going to be in the booth for Westwood One Saturday night uh, for the Titans and the Ravens. You're a guy that not only played defense, but you've coached defense. What would what would be, let's say you're the coordinator for the Titans. What would you do to try to slow down the Ravens? And if you had to pick with some of the zone read and the option stuff between taking care of the dive and taking care of Lamar, what would be your priority? Well, this is what I would do, and I've been thinking about it for a while because, you know, when I was coaching, we had, uh, some of the options I was in there, but not like this. This offense was completely different to what the NFL was normally seeing. But I would go a five-man front because their their base their base personnel group is either twelve, where they put those tight ends in off position, or they put them in on the backfield, or it's twenty-two. They do get into 11, but they run some options out of that. But when they really start messing with people, it's when they get that inverted wishbone look. And when they get in that inverted wishbone look, I'm a five-man front. And when they start pulling people, there's one player that's not blocked. And I'm going to tell that player, down in and down out, every time Lamar Jackson pull in the belly of the running back, I want you to hit Lamar. Don't worry about the dive. We'll do some line stunts. We'll do some things in the front to take care of the dive. Our backers can scrape to take care of him. But I want you to hit him consistently whole first half. This is a hitting and hitting. He's not a real big guy. So I want you to keep hitting him and hitting him. And then when, when we start pass rushing, we're going to cave rush. My defensive ends, my outside backers, there's no speed rushes. We're going to cage rush, so that means the outside guys, the defensive ends and outside backers, they got to bull rush the tight ends or the tackles. So I don't want you to get too far upfield. I want you to keep him in this pocket and see if he is the guy. And then outside of hitting him and keep him in the pocket, not letting him get outside and get into his comfort zone because that's where he's really comfortable. When he gets outside uh, the, the pocket, he's in his comfort zone. That's when he starts hitting the X button on the Xbox, and he starts spinning and twirling and, and making those splash plays. Um, so can he take those hits consistently in a five-man front? Because that's what I'm going to be in. It's going to be harder to run. But being that bare front where you're covering the center and the guards, and we're hitting him every single time they get in that inverted wishbone. We're hitting Lamar Jackson, and we'll take care of the dive with the rest of the guys. Interesting analysis, Rod Woodson, uh, your former Steelers. They probably stopped him the best earlier this year, although they did it 
and a losing effort, five sacks, three interceptions. Who do you think in the playoffs right now has the best chance of stopping Lamar and the Ravens? Because I know you picked them to win the Super Bowl. Well, I didn't pick them to win, but I did pick them to get there. So I think, you know, oh, I believe okay. that I, I I believe that the the 49ers and and the Baltimore Ravens are the two best teams overall in the league right now. And you know, the the game they had about a month ago or so is what could be in a prelude to the Super Bowl that we see that rematch in New Orleans several years ago. Um but I, I think the Tennessee Titans, this is a tough matchup for the Baltimore Ravens because the Tennessee Titans can do two things. And, you know, even though the, the Baltimore Ravens defense is pretty good versus the run, they're another physical football team. And when you hit physicality with physicality, it's going to be a great matchup. Now, if, if Baltimore gets up on Tennessee, the question is, can Tannehill, can he inspire this group to throw the football down the field and all over the place that, you know, I think, you know, Martindale has done a tremendous job with this group over the course, over the time frame of this year, that they just got a little bit better. They didn't start out great, but they got better as the year went on. And now they're one of the best defenses. And what I love about Wink is that Wink here blew the snot out of you. Now, Wink, he gets after his opposing quarterbacks like almost 50% of the time. Rod Woodson, appreciate the time on a Thursday, the legendary Hall of Famer with the Steelers, Super Bowl champion with the Ravens. Interesting remarks there, Ross, given how he'd stop Lamar Jackson. I thought Rod was fantastic. He always is. By the way, an unbelievable player. I mean, multiple coaches have said, I know Bill Cowher has said he's the best player he ever coached, best player he ever saw. I mean, to play corner and safety as well as he did, it's crazy. And if you look up, what he was able to do as an athlete at high school in Purdue, he's just a rare one, man. I mean, he was winning the Big Ten in multiple track events, you know, like long jump and sprints, and he's just, he is a rare athlete, but also very bright student of the game, and you can tell that by listening to him. I thought the two most interesting things there, number one, not a fan of this centennial class. Most people don't say that. You know what I mean, Dave? Most people say... Oh, I think it's great. Those guys are all deserving. Yeah, I think it's great. Because nobody wants to be the guy that seems like the jerk. You know what I mean? That is saying, yeah. no, I'm in. You shouldn't be in. I love that he was honest. Because if I was Rod Woodson, I sure as hell would feel that way. And not only that, Dave, yeah. you know who I'd be really pissed at? If I'm one of the five modern guys that gets in this year, and yeah. I'm going in with 15 other dudes, like my one year, my one moment, I'm one of 20. Like I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be loving that. That's number one. And then what he said about Lamar Jackson was awesome. It's how I feel. It's how a lot of old school people feel. I would hit Lamar Jackson every play. I would take yeah. my chance with the dive back, especially if Ingram's hurt, but I would hit Lamar Jackson every single play. He would not run for anything. Cause a lot of times, they're not blocking that guy. Now, sometimes they are blocking it, and he gets on the edge unencumbered. But if you're the free guy, go light that dude up. I distinctly remember, Dave, in high school, I played defensive end, and we played against a couple of option teams. And think about how much the, the world has changed now because I yeah. was taught by my high school coaches to put my helmet on the quarterback's chin. That's literally what I was taught. Like, that's how it was back then. And that guy would come down the line with the option. I loved it. I would yeah. hit that kid so hard. They'd run it a couple times, and they would not run it anymore. I would annihilate that poor kid. That's the game. I mean, if you're going to try to do that pitch off of a guy and use the quarterback like that, that's the negative. Yeah, that, that's the smash-mouth mentality that Mike Vrabel probably brings to this game. Similar way they finally figured out back in the day how to stop Tommy Frazier and that Nebraska offense. You got to hit that quarterback in the mouth. 
let Mark Ingram kill you if that's the case. And he's clearly not fully healthy. They haven't even committed to him playing in this game where we stand right now. Before we go, got to mention a story that I I, I keep forgetting to, to relay here. And it's regarding that sleepover that sealed the deal between Mike McCarthy and Jerry Jones as the Cowboys head coach. They talked about it yesterday at this press conference, a special Saturday night. And it took me back to my first job offer, Ross, the first job interview I ever went on in Rapid City, South Dakota, an opportunity to make $15,000 a year covering largely high school sports at a mediocre level, a dream gig. First job interview I went in, the woman who would be my boss asked me if we wanted to go back to her place and have a few drinks after the job interview. Later on that night, feeling a little awkward, no shenanigans at this point, Ross, no shenanigans. She says, well, why don't you just crash here? Your hotel room's like 20 minutes away. And I'm a kid straight out of college working for a young lady, an attractive young woman, mind you. And I spent the night. I had a sleepover and it sealed the deal. Now there was, I'm, I'm not lying to you, Ross. There was no shenanigans, none, zero. And, and I would admit to it. Uh, an attractive, young, blonde, former college athlete asked me to spend the night on my job in interview. It sealed the deal and no shenanigans were had. Do you believe that no shenanigans were had? And how would that play in 2020? I believe that uh, that would not play well at all. Um, I need to now talk to you more about this story off the show, off the air at some point, because now... <laughs> Or maybe tomorrow, because I am very curious about a lot of different things. That is a great story, and that is a tease, because I'm getting more into that tomorrow, along with breaking down all the divisional round games and figuring out who Cleveland might hire at some point as head coach. That's the intriguing story as we close out the week and look forward to the divisional round. We'll see you Friday, everybody, for Ross Tucker. I'm Dave Briggs. Follow us at RDC Home and Home on Twitter. Subscribe on iTunes. See you tomorrow. Hey, everybody. It's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time, exclusively on the Radio.com app or on the web at Radio.com slash home. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.